Welcome to Stride and Saunter, episode 18. I'm one of your hosts, Hector Marrero. And I'm another host, Kip Clark. Who you just heard was Samuel Adam Graff, who's here joining us to talk about percussion. Uh, thanks for being here, Sam. I was, I was uh, pleased to be invited. Thank you guys for having me. So one of the first things we want to talk about is how you got into percussion. For those that don't know you, you play multiple instruments, but specific to percussion, how did you get started? What were some of your earliest influences? That's a very good question. I don't really remember making a choice about being interested in percussion, you know. I, I was always a fidgety kid that would drum on my, on my legs and on the table in class. You know, and I think that, that that was the beginning of my interest in percussion, honestly. And I was honestly, I think, also looking back on it, the beginning of my training as a percussionist. You know, that kind of thing is invaluable. Just keeping time with your hands and with your body—that's really that's that's what's at the core of the entire the entire art form and practice. But as far as when I when I actually made a formal decision to start to start playing the drum kit and and trying to study. The, the tradition of percussion. Uh, that happened around uh, sophomore year in high school. End of sophomore year in high school was was uh, the time I, I got my, my first drum kit, which I still own today, which is actually at college with me. It's a, a Gretsch four-piece, the Nighthawk. It's red. And, uh, and uh, I love it very much. So I began taking lessons with a musician in Chicago named Tommy Zender, great, great drummer. And uh, I took lessons for the, for a, about a year with him, and then we switched to guitar. And then I came to Kenyon, and and uh, I had I had continued to play the drums, of course, over the year that I studied guitar with with Tommy. Um, and uh, I started taking drum lessons here. I took a semester here, freshman year, and then I, I I stopped taking lessons for drum kit and started to focus, try and focus more on other types of percussion, mallet percussion, um, pitched percussion. And I still have a, a lot of familiarizing, uh, familiarization, uh, a lot of familiarization rather still has to occur in that area um, for me personally. But yeah, so it's been actually, it's been a little while since I took a, an actual formal lesson for drum kit, um, but I, I have been taking percussion lessons, I guess, on and off for about four and a half years. And what is it about percussion itself that calls to you? Is there any way that you can articulate it? Because I'm sure it's, it, it's, it, it seems like a very satisfying instrument to play, to just be able to uh, get a rhythm out without even thinking about it. It just happens. You just, it just flows through your body. At least that's what I get uh, as an, a viewer. Why do you continue pursuing it, and what's it like playing? Well, there are a lot of things to say on, on that subject, I think, for me. Percussion is, is an amazing thing, because really in studying percussion, what, what we do is, I, I think, just study rhythm, um, which is maybe a more, a more general way to express us the same idea. You know, you, you study the temporal positioning of different sounds, you know, and once you conceptualize it in that, in that way, in such a general way, it really opens a lot of doors as far as the importance of percussion in, in music as well as in, in life. And that sounds maybe a little vague, but there you go. Um, one of the things I think that, that draws me to percussion and to playing the drum kit especially is is that I think it is one of one of the only instruments wherein the entirety of your body is involved in the expression of this musical idea you know you can't play the drum set without moving yourself you know in your body and um, and you really inhabit the thing that you're creating you know and I think that that's very unique 
to the drum kit and to percussion. I think it happens, of course, in the study of other instruments, but to a lesser extent, you know. So I think that it's possible that that's one of the things that, that, that draws me to the drum kit and to percussion. Um, it is something that is very physical and, uh, and, and, and almost visceral, you know. Like, there are few people that, don't not, that, that, that can't comprehend uh, like a, a, a line of percussion or a rhythm, you know, it's very universal and and um, and almost second nature to us. I feel so. Yeah, um, yeah. I hope that's a decent answer to your question. Fantastic answer. <laughs> Thank you, Kip. Do you play the drums? I don't. I drum on things. I think Sam makes a good point in that it's it's about rhythm, and I think that a lot of people have either an inherent sense of rhythm or some conceptualization of what rhythm is I think I've often heard that drumming in particular is soothing or important because it reminds us of the mother's heartbeat that as an infant you hear from the youngest age and I think that potentially there's some science behind that I haven't actually researched it but I think there's a comfort in drumming it's it's rhythmic it's not necessarily repetitive but there is a pattern to it or a pattern can be made and if I may also say, I think that um, something that's interesting about drumming as opposed to maybe studying a, a tonal instrument, guitar, or, um, or a single-line melodic instrument like trumpet or saxophone is that I think drumming lends itself to an idea or a realization of, of, uh, of, of musical ideas that is more meditative than other instruments are. What I mean to say is that when you're drumming, there's there's a large emphasis placed on an arrival at a at a groove, and then just just a, a, a like a meditation within that groove, like like sticking with something for a long time and being able to repeat the same thing and focus on the, on that one thing over and over again as you would with a drum groove is is not something that happens when you study other instruments. That doesn't happen as naturally, I suppose I would say. It certainly can happen. Do you remember what some of your first experiences were like when you tried learning with an actual kit? I'm really curious to know what that process was like, if it was difficult in certain areas, or what you remember learning at first, and what kind of experiences you had. Yeah, well, um, it's funny, because the first time I ever played a drum kit, I was in a band with a couple friends in middle school. I think I was in fourth or fifth grade, and I lived in Vermont at the time, and I played. I had a friend whose name was Nick Plumo, great guy. And uh, he was the drummer in this band. I played the bass, and I was always very jealous. And I was really wanted to, I really wanted to play his kit. And uh, and when I would sit down at it, I was kind of confounded by it. Like I, I, I suppose I hadn't. I don't know. At that point in my life, it didn't really seem to come naturally, or at least that's how I remember it. But then when I began playing at the end of my sophomore year in high school. I seemed to pick it up pretty quickly. I remember we started with rock and roll, um, which is which is a great place to start. Just a simple simple rock beat is where we started, and simple fills, eighth note or sixteenth note fills. And then from there, I remember I would just experiment. You know, I only had a, a, a lesson a week, and so I would I would often when I would sit down at the drum set, I wouldn't really practice anything specific I would often just improvise which was a really beautiful thing for me because the only other instrument with which I had that ability was the voice at that time and I had been really frustrated actually by other instruments I tried to play the bass and the piano um, and never was 
never was satisfied with my ability on them. Always wanted more, but wasn't patient enough to, to, to get to get to that place where I could be freer with my expression. So that was that was something that was really fantastic about the drums when I started playing them is that I, I felt like I already had a certain amount of agency and ability to improvise. And so honestly, the first the first year that I played, that was most of what I did. I would sit down at the drums for a couple hours and I would play whatever came into my head, you know. And of course, that was somewhat guided by my teacher's instruction. Very much guided. I owe him a great debt. But um, but but still, there was that aspect of of improvisation came much easier on the drum kit than than with other instruments. So Sam, do you have any heroes, uh, drumming heroes, people that you consider? Uh, I guess, grandmasters or those whose skills you would like to replicate in some way? And what is it about their own style or what is it about a drum style that you see or hear or feel that makes you want to keep listening or makes you want to watch this person or see this person live? That's a, a dangerous question because, uh, you know, you ask, any, you ask any player of an instrument who's serious about that instrument about their idols and they could talk for hours, you know. That being said, I'll, I, I'll try and keep it brief. I remember um, my first my first loves were rock and roll were rock and roll players because that was kind of my first musical love as well, rock and roll and prog rock especially. So I loved John Bonham, um, and I loved I loved Neil Peart, um, who was the drummer for Rush. John Bonham is the drummer for Led Zeppelin. For those of you that don't know, I also really really loved the band Yes another prog rock band from the 70s and 80s. I don't think I was aware of the drummer very much at the time, but I, I mean, he played a huge role in their music. His, his name was Bill Bruford, and, um, and I think probably had a large influence on me. All those drummers had a very unique sound. You know, you could absolutely recognize that each of them was playing, and, and this, this is something that has been mentioned a lot, you know, in discussions about music the idea of personal expression through an instrument and finding one's own sound, you know. And I think that in the case of these drummers, they all succeeded and they all, to different extents, they were, they were free. I think that Neil Peart and, and Bill Bruford, the, the drummers in, in progressive rock bands that I mentioned, had more technical ability and were able to take that in, in more directions maybe than John Bonham. But John Bonham to me is kind of like the epitome of of a, a musical personality, you know, I guess, like completely, completely recognizable. You couldn't, you couldn't trade him for another drummer. You know, he, he, he. And this is true of all the drummers um, that I've mentioned thus far. He, he fulfilled an absolutely necessary and irreplaceable role in the ensemble of which he was part. You know, and that was another thing about about each of those drummers that was very attractive to me. I think. Those are three, you know, huge bastions that I can mention. And then since then, there have been many. Um, uh, recently, I've been focusing more on, on jazz drummers. I could talk about that as well. That's a whole other realm of technical ability, you know. But I think the same idea still holds true, that the drummers that I enjoy most are the ones that are unique, honestly, you know. And that there's a great art in being able to tailor your own sound to fit the sound of an ensemble, but there's also something beautiful about that uniqueness of sound that that is uh, achieved by a lot of those drummers that I mentioned. 
Yeah, I think that's really cool. One of the points that sticks out there to me is how you can identify certain drummers, which to me sounds nearly impossible. I don't think as a non-drummer I would be able to identify specific drummers or differentiate between one drummer and another. I know that for certain vocalists, especially vocalists in famous bands, I could hear a song that maybe I hadn't heard before and say, oh, that's Ryan Tedder or any number of vocalists that I think have distinct voices or distinct sounds. But distinct drummers to me is a really interesting concept because I don't think that I necessarily could differentiate. And I'm curious to know, in layman's terms, what details or aspects about drumming for specific drummers that you've mentioned, like Neil Peart, help you differentiate between one and another? I think that honestly, the, the, the thing that allows you to, to realize is just experience. You know, experience playing absolutely helps, but experience listening can also help, you know, like listening to a record and really only focusing on one instrument, just the drums or just the guitar, you know. But, um, you know, if, we, if we're interested in getting down to brass tacks, I guess I would mention that you can get into the specifics of how each drummer even holds the stick, you know. There are different ways of holding a stick that produce a different tone. If you, if you hold a stick in a more loose way, it will rebound off the drum more. The sound will, will be more open. It'll ring. You know, John Lennon, I mean, not John Lennon, <laughs> John Bonham had a very characteristic heavy-handedness. He struck the drums very hard, and I think a lot of people are able to dif- differentiate him in that way. Sometimes you can also just tell because, as I was mentioning before, the technical ability of a drummer like Neil Peart or one of the drummers, one of the jazz drummers with which I've recently become enamored, is the the technical ability of the, that those drummers, the prog rock and jazz drummers, is is a lot higher in many in many situations than the drummers for a rock band might be. Even though I would never go so far as to say that it's more musical or more artistic. So you can tell, you know, you can you can kind of rule a thumb, you can rule certain people out just because you know that they wouldn't they probably wouldn't be capable of, of doing certain things that you're hearing. And then there's also the idea that every drummer has a different kit and every kit can be tuned in different ways and certain drummers prefer different tunings and different sounds ringiness versus deadness you know the length of attack um, or the the strength of the attack of the drum and the length of the decay of the drum the tone produced by the drum the actual tone um, or pitch perhaps I should say so yeah those are just some of the factors that you could kind of key into I guess now I'd like to um, branch into beatboxing which is also percussion but I know that you're also a very good beatboxer, Sam. Um, and so I'm okay. <laughs> I'd like to see how you got into that. Do you have any inspirations? Do you, do you, have you listened to previous beatboxers of the 90s? Like, what is it, Rakim, I think, was one of the names? Or do you have any influences? I really, honestly, I, I don't. I, beatboxing, and I lament this, has never been something that I really practiced, you know? It's been something that evolved as I evolved as a percussionist, you know, it was something that I think used, I'd started beatboxing before I started playing the drums. I think I used it as a way to play the drums when I didn't have a drum set, you know. I think, I think this is something I didn't mention when you asked your first question, but I guess I'll say it now just to have it out there. I think that I knew that I was interested in playing the drums far before I actually got my first drum set and started taking lessons, which is too bad that I didn't, you know, realize or actualize that desire sooner, but 
Hey ho. So um, yeah, beatboxing was something that evolved for me. I was always a singer, and so I think I was comfortable using my voice and vocal cords. I don't know, honestly. I don't know if I heard someone do it first, and then that inspired me to do it, or if I just happened upon the idea via experimentation and trial and error. But it's been something that I have just that I've loved. You know, it's been it's been a very pure thing for me, and I've never really. I've never really practiced it or tried to incorporate different phrases or sounds into my own personal beatboxing arsenal. It's just been something that whenever I've wanted it, I've been very glad to find there. Can I ask, although it's maybe a very abstract question, how or if percussion has influenced other things you do that are not musical in most senses? If it's, I don't know, influenced the way you move or the way you go about certain tasks. I'm just curious because I feel like art in a lot of ways generally tends to bleed into how we do other things, and I'd be really curious to know. That's an interesting question. I, w- I wonder if, um, I would just start off with the disclaimer that I wonder if I would necessarily be the best person to ask about that, you know, because often things like that, things that you're mentioning, I think happen on a very subconscious level, like how, how uh, something that you do and practice often affects the way that you live your life. Not always something we're super aware of. But I know that it had certain tangible effects, like uh, when I would drum in class, you know, and that's maybe not what you're getting at, but... It, I think it still counts. Yeah, I think uh, I would often be a noisemaker and, and a disturbance in classes, and that would be kind of... That was a... Uh, I'm not exactly sure how to characterize that. It wasn't terrible, but it, it was never a great feeling, you know, like feeling like I was being stymied for doing this thing that I didn't really feel like I even had control over, you know. Like sometimes I would subconsciously drum and I would subconsciously beatbox. So I think that that maybe affected some of my relationships <laughs> in in a very tangential way, I think, but, um, but still had an effect. Um, as far as, like, my gait and my... And my mindset, I feel much less equipped, you know, to really answer that. I think it's, it's definitely possible that it's had an effect, but I would honestly be curious to know, to know what you guys think about that. Yeah, I think having sung with you for two years and watched you sing and conduct, I think a lot of your gestures and your movements on stage... Uh, show uh, they they show somebody who's been drumming for a long time also you sit with a very straight posture which is good if you're a drummer because you need to have your arms above the drums you need to have your back straight but yeah a lot of your movements here especially your arms and your head they move so it, you know I want to say it's almost like mechanically it sometimes looks like you are a um, machine not a machine uh, but almost like a, a Sesame Street character it's 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 so rhythmic even the movements of your mouth of your skull of your arms but it all just seems to me I take it all as the movements of a drummer so all these movements I see of yours even if you've had them your entire life I perceive them as the movements of somebody who drums quite a bit that's that's how I see it. No, I totally agree. I mean, I also, although I haven't been singing with you, I've I've seen you perform a number of times, and I think, especially when you're conducting, I always notice some kind of, I guess I would call it an energy. And I also think, correct me if I'm wrong, that percussion and rhythm need not always be patterned. I talked about patterns earlier, but there can be sort of erratic rhythms that are still percussion-based. And I think that anything you do with energy, to me, always reminds me in some way of percussion even if it's percussion you can't hear just like sort of strong gestures when you're conducting to me remind me of that I think all of it's based in musicality and you're obviously a musically oriented person but I think that there's 
probably stuff there. Again, like I'm thinking, I don't see you brush your teeth, but I'd be curious to know if that is in some way influenced <laughs> by rhythm or, you know, the way that you've learned to drum. And I don't think I've ever seen you like go for a long run, but I, I wonder if things like that, like you talk about subconscious, I suspect maybe there's some subconscious connection there that I certainly don't know enough about to, to say. Um, I'd also be curious to know maybe something you would have more thoughts on. If someone were thinking about getting into percussion or drumming, do you have any advice for them? Also, what would you suggest they try or where would you suggest they go if they were looking to get into it? Oh my gosh. Uh, Well, definitely do it. Definitely do it. It's fantastically rewarding. Um, (laughs) As far as um, advice, it all depends upon the the practitioner, I think, you know, which is to say... Whatever you want out of percussion, I would probably try and tailor my advice to 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 that to that desire. Um, uh, you know, provided I actually had any concrete advice to give. I, I was talking about this the other day with a friend of mine. The, the idea of teaching music and and to what extent should we cater to the the student, and to what extent should we try and actually shape their interests and, and guide them. And that's a whole different discussion. But I, I guess if someone were to, were to come in and and um, express a genuine interest in becoming a drummer and trying to pursue a lifestyle that allowed them to do that as their main means of employment, um, I would just suggest I would suggest that they practice rudiments, um, <laughs> and I would also suggest that they. That they keep as and as as open a mind as possible, um, as far as rhythm and drumming are concerned. You know, expose them. I would I would try and push them to expose themselves to as many different kinds of music as as they would would be willing to expose themselves to, because percussion is is so universal. There are so many traditions you can draw from. Um, and so many ways you can take it. So, um, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of almost baffled and confounded by the open-endedness of the question. You know, there's, uh, you you can't go wrong in a certain sense, but there's also a certain mentality and open-mindedness, as I said, that I think would be helpful to to um, to adopt in in approaching anything like that. And I think that probably goes for all artistic endeavors. You know, honestly. So I'm sorry if that's a vague answer, but there you go. No, it's it's not a vague answer at all. I do have one last question for you. I'm certainly, Hector, if you have more, please feel free. But one last thing that I was thinking of, which is incredibly abstract, and I apologize for being that guy, but I wanted to know and take all the time you want with this answer, if there were three surfaces or materials with which you could drum or on which you could drum that maybe aren't the most conventional or typical, and you have access to anything in the world, do you have any idea of things you'd like to try out, sounds that you haven't yet heard that you'd like to discover through percussion? Another question, Sam, uh, would be, are there any antiquated percussion instruments or uh, percussions, instruments of percussion that don't uh, exist um, in large quantity nowadays that you would like to uh, have or play on or try for yourself? I mean, there certainly are many. Something with which I've recently become very interested in is, a, is an instrument called a, a samantra, which is a very simple percussion instrument. It's just a two by four suspended at nodal points um, on on the plank of wood, which is to say, 
points that allow the, the, the piece of wood to resonate to its full capacity. And so when you strike the piece of wood at different points, and all it is is a two by four, I mean, you can use different types of wood and that produces different sonorities and that sort of thing. But when you strike the wood at different points with a mallet, it produces a fundamental tone, but it also produces a large and very rich set of, of overtones. And if you're not familiar with overtones, um, then you can join the club. I'm not very familiar with overtones either. But um, uh, basically the idea is it produces more than one tone at the same time. Um, and it's a really amazing thing to, to hear. Um, so that's something that I would love to experiment, with which I would love to experiment more. Um, and I think generally the realm of, of pitch percussion is, is something that you can be extraordinarily creative with. You know, like most glass has a pitch when you strike it, most metal has a pitch when you strike it, most wood has a pitch, and honestly plastic does as well even though it's, it doesn't resonate very well. Um, so <laughs> one of the reasons I'm kind of struggling I think to answer your question, Kip, um, is because everything produces a sound, you know, anything is fair game. Um, and that's maybe uh, maybe a cop-out of an answer. But I'm kind of struggling, you know, thinking about a specific a specific thing that, uh, that I would want to try because I kind of want to try everything. So, yeah, I think, I think experimenting with that. And also, I would love to experiment with, with different kinds of... of um, I would love to experiment with percussion of different ethnicities um, and especially to experiment with... The, the concept of tempo and time that different um, that different ethnicities have developed you know we have a very linear concept as as Westerners um, but there are many other ways to think about it and um, and there are many other ways to internalize it that seem insanely difficult to us but come as second nature to other people that have been brought up in these cultures and so um, that's also a of great interest for me, um, those uh, those those uh, ethnic forms of percussion um, that have that have evolved as a culture has evolved along with the culture, become a part of that culture. So that's a really good perspective. I I respect that. I think that's very wise. Before we close out the episode, do you have any comments or perhaps questions for our listeners regarding percussion or for us? I think something this campus is missing is a uh, is a venue for people to uh, to to be percussive, and uh, I'm kind of speaking about a drum circle particularly. So if you actually if you have any interest in a drum circle, I would love to uh, to hear from you, and uh, and uh, maybe try and get that started. I know I know where we could find a couple different hand drums. So um, so yeah. Other than that, I I think I'm I'm good. So as always with our episodes, we'd love to hear from you guys, especially reviews on iTunes or comments on our website. We want some feedback and we'd love to have a discussion, especially on things like percussion. We want to know what you all think out there. And Hector, if they want to reach us, where can our listeners contact us? You can visit us at strideandsaunter.com. Tweet us at strideandsaunter. Find us on Facebook at uh, strideandsaunter or email us strideandsaunter at gmail.com. And Sam, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you.
And as always, from thought to word and voice to ear, this is Kip Clark signing off. And this is Hector Marrero. Today we reported on one of the first snowy Gambier evenings. (laughs) 